I really dislike waiting. Any of you feel like that? Any of you like to wait and enjoy, enjoy waiting? I, so I tricked you. I tricked you. I got you. Sorry, right, you're worn out from running in full pads and gear. Um, I, I hate, I, no, I don't strongly, I, I don't hate, because you're not supposed to hate, right? I strongly dislike waiting. Like, I get there's some things that you're supposed to wait on. Some things develop good anticipation. If I'm going to a nice restaurant, for example, for my wife's birthday, you know, I'm, I'm not going to fill up on junk food and Doritos and all, all that kind of stuff. I'm going to anticipate that. I'm going to look forward to it. I understand that paint has to dry. You know, those kinds of things make sense to me. I, I get it. You, you plan ahead for that. You're going to have to have to wait in those moments. When I really get impatient, though, it's like most people, it's, it's when things aren't going to plan. Like some of you, I don't know if you've had this experience before, but have you ever been in a Chick-fil-A drive through line and had to wait for 20 minutes? Is that, does that sound like it can't possibly tr- happen to me once? It's it's awful experience. It was, it was terrible. Sometimes we get stuck on a country road because we live in the middle of nowhere because somebody is driving, you know, 15 miles and under the speed limit. I'm fine being stuck behind a tractor. I get that. That makes sense. That's useful. But somebody who's just, just like kind of cruising, you know, it's always, it's always a Sunday afternoon drive out in the country sometimes. Um, when I'm ready to go and no one else is, oh, that, that is the worst. By the way, this doesn't work in reverse for me. If I'm late, I'm, I'm totally cool with that. It, it doesn't bother me, but it's when, yeah. Um, some of you know that I really enjoy playing golf, and you probably wonder why that is. I try not to pass up too many opportunities since I don't get to go play as much as I like. And, and some of it is I don't play as much because it's expensive and because it takes, takes a while. So to play 18 holes, probably the, the national average is about four hours to be able to go through the round. And that's just going through the round, not drive time and warm up or you know, any of those kinds of things. And so it's, it's an investment in time. And sometimes, <clears throat> sometimes you get to the course and you get stuck behind people, you know, because there's other people teeing off in front of you, and you just got to wait forever. I mean, I've, I've had times where I've played, and it's taken like six hours to complete a round. And I, I, I can't stand it. When I'm standing on a tee, and I'm just wa- watching people walk, you know, and swing the cl- practice swing like five times, and then swing at the ball and miss, I'm like, you, you could have done that on the first swing. Like, you didn't have to waste my time. Because I'm, I'm kind of, and a couple of you guys know, know this because you play golf with me, I'm kind of a go up and hit the ball, you know, kind of guy when, I, when I'm playing. So I'm just, I'm just kind of ready, like, like, let's keep moving. And, and the reason I know this about myself is because there's this course up in Ohio where they gave a pastor's discount which was amazing. All, everybody who owns a business should, should give preacher discounts, I'm just saying. Um, and you could play, on Tuesdays, you could play 18 holes of golf with a cart for $12.50. And it was amazing, it was incredible. And so sometimes I'd, I'd sneak out there and go play by myself uh, because I could play 18 holes when it wasn't busy, busy in an hour and 45 minutes. And so for me, like every time I go play golf, I feel like I should be able to play in under two hours. Like this is, you know, why is this taking so long? This is terrible. Uh, of course, I've had to wait on progressively more serious things, you know, first world problems, right? So there's some more serious things I've had to wait on. In high school, I shredded a couple tendons in my foot and had to not walk for about eight weeks. Um, and in the middle of that, I think it was the next day I was playing basketball, hurt myself. The next day I got a call from... Um, uh, let's just say that a, a higher level volleyball team, uh, I was playing volleyball at the time, and uh, so I got recruited to come play on that team, and I had to say no. Like, I missed out on this really meaningful moment in my life, <clears throat> and I had to miss out. I, ha- I couldn't even put weight on my foot for like eight weeks, um, and that, that, was, that stunk. In college, <clears throat> some of you, I don't know if you ever noticed my hands before. 
in college, I, had a, I got a basketball injury, so I don't know if you can kind of tell how my pinkies are. Uh, this one pinky over here on my left hand, it doesn't work anymore. Like, I can't straighten it even physically. It doesn't work. Like, you might be able to take a hammer to it or something like that. Anyway, <clears throat> got hurt playing basketball and uh, was out for, for a long time, and uh, I really didn't enjoy the waiting period for that. In fact, uh, I, don't know if, I don't know if you remember this, but um, I actually started playing pickup too early and just playing with one-handed. So I'd tuck this hand in, I'd go around dribbling and shooting with one hand, you know, just because I did not want to wait. I don't like doing that. Um, I've had uh, a little bit more serious times in my life. I won't share all of them with you this morning, um, but I've been out of work for a year, um, probably one of the uh, darker periods of my life. And uh, for just the reason, situation, that kind of stuff. And probably took about four years before I was actually working where I felt like God wanted, wanted me to be. And so that was uh, a struggle for me in several different, different ways through, through that experience. Um, and I had to learn much more about God than I thought I needed to know up until that point. I really, really don't enjoy waiting. And one of the things that makes holding on to hope in the dark so difficult so often is that, you know, just one of the, one of the truths timeless truths about holding, a hope, hold, holding on to hope in the dark is that when life isn't going on as planned, you're going to have to, and this is, you know, you see where this is going, right? I mean, this is, this is life-changing stuff. I'm sure you've never heard this before, never experienced this before, but this is, this is the one thing you're going to have to do. You're going to have to wait. It, it's just going to be a part of the process. The passage of time is going to have to be a part of the process. And as much as we don't like it, as much as it's painful in the moment, waiting is, is a part of holding on to hope in the dark. It's not the most satisfying solution, but it's something that we need to be reminded of that is constantly true. Some of the best things in life are worth waiting for, and some of the worst things in life require waiting so that the necessary work to be done in our hearts and our minds and our souls can take place. Because not everything is going to happen on the timelines that we prefer. And, and may, I don't know, I, I, think, I think most of us probably know that, but I don't, I don't know if we ever talk about it or, everybody, or anybody ever says that to us directly. It just says, this, this is how things work sometimes. It's just not going to happen the way that we planned it out. Sometimes things take longer than they should. However, the length of time we wait is not the determining factor for whether or not the waiting is worthwhile. And that's because of who God is. And the fact that his timing is different from our timing. I and mean, we can look through scripture and find that stated multiple different times, multiple different ways. The promise, though, is that what God says he will do, he will do. And the faith that we have in the waiting is what God does is best for us. That, that's what we hold on to in those moments. Last week, we talk, started talking about what it looks like to have hope in the dark and holding on to faith that God is good even when life is not. And one of the characteristics of the moments and circumstances in which we find ourselves um, in, in dark moments when we're struggling is we end up waiting. And so one of the things we start off with is just speaking to God. And this is what we talked about last week. We start off by speaking to God honestly about those things. Some of you have never been given permission to actually talk to God about how you actually feel. There are going to be moments where you feel angry, sad, depressed, lonely. Those are things we can talk to God about, and he expects us to discuss with him. So we speak honestly, and then we spend time listening carefully. And, and even then, there, there's, is that really a satisfying conclusion? You know, things still haven't resolved yet. Last week, we looked at Habakkuk chapter 1, and God says, oh, you're going to be amazed at this thing I'm going to do. He responds to Habakkuk because Habakkuk comes to him with a complaint. And he says, you're, you're not going to believe what's going to happen. I'm going to take care of everything. 
here come the Babylonians. And this is, this is awful news. You can read back in, in Habakkuk chapter 1, and, uh, and Habakkuk's like, uh, this, this doesn't sound, sound great at all. And so there's not really a satisfying conclusion. We talked about last week how life is not like a sitcom. And so we come to Habakkuk chapter 2 this morning. And so if you have your Bibles with you, you can go ahead and turn to that. We're going to be in several different verses throughout that chapter. Um, Habakkuk, in, in, at the end of chapter 1, Habakkuk responds to God. He hears God's plan and he says, all right, I hear you, God, but I, I, don't, I don't think that's the best way forward. This, this might not be the best plan. And, and maybe you can relate to that. I, there are plenty of times that I have not been on board with how things are going in my life. There are plenty of times I was like, if I could kind of choose and have some agency about how things are going, I, I would do things just a little bit differently. In fact, God, I've got some great ideas. I, I, I know exactly some solutions that you should put into place right now. I can think of the time frame and everything. I, God, if you would just kind of listen to me and do things the way that I want you to, it would be amazing. Uh, we don't have to wait for some other path. Uh, but it turns out, though, when I've waited and not jumped the gun, there's always been an outcome better in the long run. Because there have been times where I haven't been patient, and I have jumped the gun, and that hasn't worked out as well. Here's what Habakkuk says in Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 1, and this is his conclusion, you know, this is what his response to God's plan to correct the evil behavior of the southern kingdom of Judah with the Babylonians. Here, here's what he says. All right, God, I hear you, but I will take stand, my stand at, the, at my watch post, station myself on the tower, and look out to see what he will say to me, and what I will answer concerning my complaint. And so I just want to imagine this picture of Habakkuk. He's going to the watchtower there on the city wall, and he's just going to, he's going to sit there and see what God does. Um, I, I can't, I, I, you know, I don't know how long it took for God to respond. Habakkuk doesn't say that in, in chapter 2, but I just I have these, um, these pictures in my mind of, of Habakkuk maybe waiting in a couple different types of postures. The posture of waiting, you, you think about, I mean, there's some things we wait for. We sit down on the couch and we kind of prop our feet up, grab a magazine, look at our phone. Like we're waiting to go, something like that, waiting on everybody to get ready. We're there early, and so we're just kind of chilling. So there's that posture of waiting where we're just kind of we're relaxed. We're just, we know that the thing that we're waiting on is going to happen any minute now, and so we're just kind of hanging out there. Then there's the posture of waiting where there's like, you know, we're a little bit more, I don't know, closed off where our arms are kind of crossed and we're like, I can't believe they're late again, you know, start tapping the foot. Or maybe it's the more anxious waiting where we start pacing, you know, wearing a hole in the floor uh, because we keep walking back and forth. Are we there yet? Like, that's, that's my favorite question. How many more minutes? That's what our kids say. They don't say, are we there yet? They say, how many more minutes? It's always five. It's always, it's always five minutes. That's how long. So there's a couple of different postures of waiting that we can take that, that that we can have in our life. Remember, we talked about last week how Habakkuk's mean how Habakkuk's name means embrace, and a couple of different ways that we can embrace. Right? There's that like oh yeah, accepting and like that that's a good embrace, and then there's kind of the wrestling embraced, you know, uh, that that kind of embrace that that we can engage in. There are a couple of different ways in which we can wait. The one thing we do know, however, is that. Habakkuk is, Habakkuk is waiting with some expectation. He's confident that God's going to answer him. And when we're waiting, we can be confident that if we're praying, we're being honest, we're listening carefully to what God has to say, that God will respond. And Habakkuk specifically puts himself in a position to see what God will do. 
to be ready for God. I mean, oftentimes we get wired or tired of waiting. We, we move on to something else. We, we move on, we go do this other thing. And Habakkuk keeps his attention focused on God. And here's the thing, you're, you're gonna have to wait. There are gonna be moments in the dark where you're going to have to wait. When life is not going the way that it should, that you're going to have to wait. But there is a way that we can wait that is much more meaningful than another. When we wait, we can wait patiently and expectantly on God. I mean, that is one of the biggest problems we have in our culture, is that we're so busy, we have our schedule so full, there's so many different options, we have our smartphones, we can do just about anything we want at any period of time. We don't know how to wait. We just don't have the attention span anymore to, to, to be able to do it. And we can have what we want when we want it. We can have momentary satisfaction at the flash of a touch screen. Uh, quantity masks our need for quality in our lives. Waiting is the stuff of a bygone era to be pitied. Can you believe that there was life before Wi-Fi, right? I mean, turn it off and, 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 and life is awful. I can't get the information that I want immediately. We move on too quickly. It's becoming harder and harder for people to stay present in the moment, engaged in what's happening right then, and we overwhelm and overload ourselves with so much in such a short amount of time that we often struggle to cope in healthy ways. Because we don't take our time through things. We're, we're not as comfortable with waiting in the stillness and silence and, and giving a moment for life to breathe and for God to move and for us to pay attention to what he's doing and what he's saying. When we're waiting in the dark, it can be tempting to rush off as quickly as possible without necessarily a clear direction. And in the meantime, the waiting might be the very gift and grace of God we need in order to navigate the dark toward the only light source that will not fail in our lives. Habakkuk waits and God answers. So this is Habakkuk 2, verses 2 and 3. And the Lord answered me, write the vision, make it plain on tablets so he may run who reads it. For still the vision awaits its appointed time, it hastens to the end, it will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come, it will not delay. In the rest of the chapter, God condemns the Babylonians for their sin. And while they're going to be used as a result of the Israelite sinful behavior, so they're, they're being used as corrective uh, measure, God is not going to allow them to remain a destructive power forever. God's people will be delivered, even if it will seem slow in coming. And it is going to take some time. In fact, it's going to take 70 years for this to take place. Habakkuk's not even necessarily going to see the end of this, but God is going to fulfill his promise. You guys remember that verse, you know, the verse that if you went to a family Christian bookstore, Heaven and Earth, if you remember that. I used to work in one of those when those existed. Um, Jeremiah 29, 11, you've heard that one. You see it posted on Facebook or Instagram, you know, just the really encouraging one. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for hope and a future. That, that is such an amazing, like, encouraging verse, right? Um, do you know what Jeremiah 29, 10 says? Keep in mind, Jeremiah and Habakkuk are contemporaries, so they're writing at the same time about the same stuff, generally speaking. Uh, Jeremiah 29.10 says this, For thus says the Lord, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you, and I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. <laughs> oh, all right, so that's what he says right before, I know the plans I have for you. This whole thing where we get, we get kind of mixed up on the timeline sometimes of when things are going to happen. And yet, the, the point is, is even though it doesn't necessarily fit our timeline, um, it does fit, fit God's, and it is what God's best is for everyone involved. 
And so sometimes we just get a little bit too narrow in our focus because it's, it's more like our timeline and what we want in those moments. And I got to tell you, like we're not isolated in those things. As busy as we are, as, as much as we don't like to wait on anybody else, and so we kind of do our own thing most of the time, um, it really isn't just about us and what's going on in our lives. It's about so much more than that. Uh, not waiting on God, that's, that's kind of what caused all the problems to begin with, with the nation of Israel. That's how they got into the issue that they were in, because they were living like all the other nations around them. And that's why God is using the Babylonians as an example. Is, hey, this, this, is, this is the full extent of where you're heading. This, this is where you're going. And this is terrible, right? So, so let's just have a good reminder of this is not where we want to go. So let, let's be patient. Let's wait. Let's learn what God has to teach us in this moment. And I'm not saying that every single example that we go through when we're stuck in the dark in our life is as a result of our past sin. Um, some of it has to do with just the fact that we live in a broken world or other people are sinning against us, th those kinds of things. So I'm not, uh, you, you got to hear me on this. And this is just a little brief, brief aside. This is not just about, oh, I've done this terrible thing and God is punishing me and that's why I'm going through this thing. Sometimes you might be dealing with the consequences of your own act actions, but sometimes it's just because we live in a broken world. Regardless, being patient and waiting on God, seeing what he will do and what he will say and who he calls us to be is the path forward for us. The waiting that we do on God is not passive, and it is not unproductive. So when God calls us to wait and he tells Habakkuk, hey, hey hang on, you know, you, it's going to come at the right time. You're, you're going to have to wait, and it might seem slow to you, but it's going to come at the exact right time. These are the moments when we wait on God that we have to focus on the things we already know he's called us to do regardless of the circumstance that we're in. Because so often we're waiting for, oh, you know, God, I, I need to know what's happening in the next phase of my career. God, I, you know, this relationship I have with this family member. You know, these big things that often, you know, keep us down and kind of remove our focus from the general things that God calls us to do. Those are the things that we do in the, in the midst of the waiting. Waiting is only passive if we only focus on the one or two things that we can't do versus what we can do what God has called us to do and what he's equipped us to do with this Holy Spirit. Here's what God says in verse five in Habakkuk chapter two. It says, see, the enemy is puffed up, his desires are not right, but the righteous person will live by his faithfulness. So when, when life isn't going as it should, when all else fails, what, what do we do? We do the next, next right thing. We do the next right thing that God has called us to do. Slowly, methodically, prayerfully, we live our lives hopeful in the dark when we hold to the truth, believing that God is faithful to keep his promise and to do the next right thing. When life isn't good, we do good while we wait. Because what we do in the meantime is what prepares us for God's timing. So, so often we get caught unaware of, of, uh, of what's going to happen next in our life because the things that leave us most ill-prepared to face life difficulties is when we're out of the habit of trusting God. And, and that happens even, like it's, and especially when things, things are good. You know, sometimes we, we get to that, that point in our relationship with God, and maybe it's the mountaintop you know, experience. We're like, oh man, this is good. And we just kind of start looking around and, and, uh, and, and kind of just seeing, seeing what thing, things are going on. We just kind of, I don't know, just, just exist in that moment instead of continuing to do the things that maybe helped us to, to be in that place where we felt like that to, to begin with. Uh, check, check out this, these words from C.S. Lewis. He says, I'm sure that God keeps no one waiting unless he sees that it is good for him to wait. When you do enter your room, you will find that the long wait has done you some kind of good which you would not have had otherwise. 
But you must regard it as waiting, not as camping. You must keep on praying for light. And of course, even in the hall, you must begin trying to obey the rules which are common to the whole house. And above all, you must be asking which door is the true one, not which pleases you best by its paint and paneling. Let, let me give you a couple, couple ways to think about what it looks like to be active while we're waiting. Because I think, I think it's easy to think of waiting as just being a passive thing. Um, one, of the, one of the ways in which we become passive in the waiting is when we get so fixated on how things used to be that we're not aware of how things can become. Um, you, you can't go backwards in your life. There, there is no going to be a DeLorean that can time travel at 88 miles an hour. Like, it's, it's just not going to happen. And so whatever the thing is that you're holding, oh, I wish I could get, you know, this, this part of my relationship with God was so good when, when this was the case. I mean, five years ago, I remember having this spiritual high, and it was this crazy thing. Or, you know, before COVID, man, I can't stand hearing that anymore. I'm so over that. It, it's like we can't erase these things that have happened in our life. It's time. Let me say this as gently and as encouragingly as I can. It, it, is, it is time to press on. It, it, it is time to not, not negate the things that we've experienced. That, that's not what we're talking about. We're speaking honestly, we're listening carefully, and we're waiting in, in, in those things. But it's, there, 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 there are more things moving, moving forward that God has for us, better things even. They're, they're really but so, so much of the time, it, it, we can get stuck in the past and wanting to move backwards, but you, you just can't. It's, it's not possible for that to happen. And I think what God really wants us to understand in those moments is that, hey, there, there's something even better on the other side waiting for you. If, if you wait, and if you, you wait actively and, and, and work on being the disciple of Jesus that I've called you to be in those moments. And you're going to see on the other side of this thing, whatever this thing is that, that we've held on to, that, that there's going to be something much deeper and much richer and much more meaningful. It's okay to not, to not be where you were before in the past. Because God can do so much, so, so much bigger and better with, with those things than we could ever be. Going, going backwards is, is not, not the thing God calls us to do. Um, we can press forward to something that will draw us into a closer and stronger relationship with God than we ever expected or have ever experienced in the past. Let me, let me just let Paul describe this to you in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Here's what he says. He says, Keep me from being conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations. So Paul, Paul is saying, hey, you know, God, God is using me, and this is really cool, but to keep me from, you know, just kind of completely missing, missing the point of this, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from being conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I'm weak, then I'm strong. You know, Habakkuk, he's, he's not going to see the destruction of the Babylonians. He's not going to see the people of God coming, coming back home. Um, but he still trusts that God will continue his same pattern of justice, deliverance, and redemption. In Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 20, after God 
finishes speaking, Habakkuk writes this. He says, the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before him. And so Habakkuk says, okay, I'm going to wait. And I'm going to do the next right thing. And I'm going to remember and I'm, I'm going to pay attention to the fact that God continues to fulfill his promises. That he's got this pattern of doing this over and over and over again in our lives. And so here's what I want to encourage you to do. I want, you, I want to encourage you to do the same thing God tells Habakkuk to do right at the beginning of the chapter. He says, Habakkuk, write this down so it's ready to be shared. I, just, I want to encourage you, maybe just for the, for the rest of this week, is to, to take some time at the start of your day and just write down what, what God has done in your life. Like some of you I know right now in this moment are dealing with some pretty dark experiences in life and there's so many different emotions and feelings and thoughts that are running through your head. And in order to, in order to gain a proper perspective, it, it helps for us to pause, to be still, to wait, and to think about God's track record in our life. And, and the way that we do that is, is that we actually sit down and write out, here, here are the things that God has done. And, and maybe, maybe it's just very simply saying, I woke up this morning, you know, I, I have a bed to sleep in. Maybe it starts off that, that simple, but maybe you remember specific things in your life. So I, I just want to encourage you, this, maybe just this week, is wake up in the morning, write down three things that you are thankful for that you can recognize. God, God has been moving in my life consistently. These are the things that he's promised. He's promised to, to provide for me and to take care of me. Here are the different ways that he has done that uh, through, throughout my life. I want to encourage you to do that through, throughout this week because it helps us to look back and see that he has fulfilled his promises in the past and will continue to do so in the future. And that's why he is worth waiting on. When we wait by living faithfully and engaging in godly habits for our lives, relying on God's strength during our weakness, we begin to see and experience the patterns that God continually has of provision in our lives. And so in the dark, when we want to hold on to hope, slow down, be still, wait, and move forward with the next right thing that you know that God calls each and every one of us to do. And even if God's plan seems slow in your life, it won't delay. It will come at the perfect time. This is one of the things that God says about Jesus. So as we take communion every week at Velocity, we come to this moment where we just kind of pause. This is the foundation for why we gather together. This is the foundation for why we are able to be redeemed and reconciled back to God. This is the reason why we're able to have hope in the dark, that we can believe that God is good even when life is not. Um, in Galatians chapter 4, verse 4, Paul says that Jesus comes in the fullness of time. And, and, and to me, it makes me think back to that Habakkuk chapter 2, you know, where, where, where God says, hey, um, even if it seems slow, even if it seems like there, there's a delay, there, there isn't. The, the timing that God has is impeccable. Um, he's, he's, you know, even better than a wizard. Like Gandalf, you, you remember that line? Some of you are like, oh my goodness, another Lord of the Rings reference. A wizard is never late, nor is he early. He arrives precisely when he means to. God always has impeccable, perfect timing. And, and that's why he sends Jesus when he does. In the fullness of time, at just the right time, God sent Jesus to show us what it means and what it looks like to have a relationship with God who enables us to be redeemed and reconciled back to him regardless of what sin we have in our life or the sin that other people have in their lives or the how the world is broken by sin. We can be redeemed and reconciled back to him. 
And so we're going to spend time right now meditating on that, sharing that moment together as we take communion communally. And so we've got a couple different tables around the room. We've got a little bit of bread, a little bit of juice. And this represents Jesus' broken body and his shed blood for us. And the sacrifice uh, that he made to redeem us back to God, um, despite the consequences of sin in our life. And so let's share in that time together. Let me pray for us, and uh, then we're going to share in that time uh, together right now. God, um, you continually sustain hope in our lives through Jesus. And God, regardless of what dark moment that we have struggled with or may struggle with in the future or are right now, or whatever dark moment our friends or our family are dealing with that we're helping them through in these moments, help us to remember to wait on you, to, to seek out your leading, to, to be more concerned with not the events and circumstances that are, that are swirling around us and vying for our attention, but who you call us to be in the middle of those things. God, we ask that you empower us with your Holy Spirit, that as, as, as we are disciples of Jesus, we are indwelt with you as our counselor, as our advocate, as our helper. And God, we, we ask that you help us to see the wisdom in, in waiting on you and building the spiritual habits and godly practices that that you call us to do regardless of what's happening around us. God, thank you for Jesus who, who does that continually throughout his life for us. And God, thank you for the ongoing living sacrifice that he is so that we, we might be able to hold on to hope regardless of the darkness. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.